Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Bet to Win here at Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. I'm your host, Joe Fan. Vibes are high here on this fine Thursday. The Mariners, my Mariners, continue to win. I'm going to talk about it for as long as they do. A 10-game winning streak for them. They are in the wild card picture after a two-game uh, doubleheader sweep on Wednesday of the Washington Nationals in the four-game set coming up against the Rangers this weekend. I hope I'm obnoxious on this show for the course of the next couple months and into October as hopefully the most egregious, infamous playoff drought in all of sports is broken this year. Big show for you here today. Tim Murray from VEASAN on to preview the NFC South as we continue our division-by-division NFL preview talking futures. I've given a number. We've already covered the NFC North, West, and East. Cover the South here today with Tim. We're also going to talk college football realignment. Is one of my favorite guys in sports media to talk college sports with. Nobody better than Tim Murray. But first, before we bring him on, uh, I've got a victory lap to take. After two straight L's, my winning pick is a winner on Monday. I had Mets and Braves. First five under three and a half at minus 120. I bet on aces to pitch well. And that show or that proved to be a good decision. My winning pick will be something similar here at the end of this show. But let's not waste any more time because he's in studio. My guy, Tim Murray, host of the Nightcap on VEASAN alongside Sean King. That's 10 to 1 Eastern, Monday through Friday. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at 1TimMurray. Tim, welcome back, brother. How are you? It's good to be back, and you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> my Washington Nationals were uh, kind enough to uh, hand you a series sweep in one day. Yeah. Uh, the old... Uh, Rain out, then doubleheader victory uh, for your Mariners there. So uh, congratulations. And the good news is for the crappy team that I cheer for, uh, who did win a title, so I'm still in the grace period of happiness of 2019. Uh, this upcoming year, the team with the worst record for the first time in Major League Baseball history was not insured the number one overall pick. So what could possibly go wrong? Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah. But again, you you did win a World Series. We're you got good. to enjoy that. We're good. Seven years of 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 glory there. A couple division titles ended with the championship. So uh, you know what? And uh, as a true fan, I bet their season win total under. So I'm feeling good right now. You should be feeling good. It's interesting. <laughs> you mentioned the, the quick one-day sweep. The Mariners flew all the way to the East Coast from Seattle. They got a day off Monday. We're supposed to play Tuesday, Wednesday. Obviously, Tuesday gets rained out. They played the letter Wednesday. And that's it. Yeah. That's the East Coast trip. There's no like, okay, they're going to go play the Mets or the Yankees or the Red Sox. No, that's it. Yep. Come on flew back. right back to Texas for a four-game set before the All-Star <laughs> break. Won't argue with it again. They won both those games. Anytime you can win both games of a doubleheader and win Juan Soto homers in both. Yeah. You feel pretty good about it. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, yeah, for the Nationals, Josiah Gray, it's uh, he, he's an upcoming prospect. He's had, He'll have good games, he'll have bad games, and certainly against the Mariners the other day was uh, one of his worst. So the Mariners took care of business, and hey, your guys are your guys are fun to watch, just like the team uh, in that area, but not in D.C., the Baltimore Orioles. They've been red hot. And certainly two teams, certainly two hottest team. teams in baseball. Yeah, both have double-digit win streaks. And I think the best part, as I like, we're going to bring in Tim and talk about football, and then we're going to talk about baseball a little bit because we're both <laughs> big baseball fans and it's topical. But it is funny that, like, if you're a Mariners fan, you're looking at the AL East saying, just beat up on each other. Exactly. Just everybody, let it be a massacre. And just you win one series, two games to one. You win another series, two games to one. It all comes out to where everyone plays okay. And the Mariners play their last 20 games of the season against teams under 500. They don't see the Astros after July 31st. Good spot. It's, it's a good set, spot. They're set up well. It's this a good spot to be in. Should end this year. Jerry, get on the damn phones <laughs> and be a buyer. 
All right. The turn the key from rebuild to winning. It happens now. Uh, let it, let's talk football. Yeah, and, and Tim, as we've covered on this show, we've covered three divisions so far. This will round out the NFC. I've explained that I'm on the Rams because I don't think the division price is too out of whack to where I just think that they're the, a safe bet. Uh, I like the Vikings mm-hmm. as a dark horse, the NFC North. And then in the NFC East, I'm on the Eagles. Now we're going to talk about the NFC South. And I'll just run through some of the lines. We can go through what some of the teams did, but I want to go through maybe what your favorite futures are here. Uh, win totals. Uh, the Bucks at 11.5, the Saints at 8.5, the Panthers at 6.5, Falcons at 4.5. Odds to win the NFC South, the Bucks at 3-1, to one, Saints 3.5-1, to one, Panthers at 10-1, to one, and the Falcons at 15-1. To, to win the NFC, the Bucks at 3-1. to one. They are the favorites, no surprise there, along with the Rams. Uh, as a very, very thin conference, and we'll talk about that a bit. Saints at 12 to 1, Panthers 50 to 1, and the Falcons at 100 to 1. Uh, the Bucks uh, to win the Super Bowl 6 to 1, one of the shortest shots in football. Saints at 30 to 1, Panthers 100 to 1, and Falcons at 250 to 1. We can go through what each team did a bit. The Bucks, sort of status quo. Tom Brady, shortest retirement in history. Uh, he's sick of hanging out with his family for about six weeks, comes back to the Bucks. Rob Gronkowski did retire. But by and large, the, same, the team very similar. Um, the Saints, no more is Sean Payton. Dennis Allen promoted from defensive coordinator. He's the new head coach. Jameis Winston coming back from ACL. He will be their starting quarterback. Um, a couple of uh, big-time draft picks. Obviously, drafting a wide receiver in the first round should be huge for Jameis. The Panthers, Baker Mayfield, the biggest storyline there. And then Falcons. It'll be, it's going to be weird watching a Falcons offense led by a quarterback not named Matt Ryan. Um, we can go further in depth, but just off the top, what do you make of this division that for a while now has, has been, it was Saints, it was Saints Bucks, and, and now it really feels like it's, it's the Bucks division, such in a runaway that, you know, I don't think you can look at other divisions in football and look at one maybe as lopsided as this. Yeah, you look at the bottom, uh, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a team that is going to struggle more than the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, I know their win total at win, uh, win bet is about four and a half. Um, you know, you look at that schedule right now and some of the look ahead lines, they're going to be a favorite in two games, uh, week eight against Carolina. Uh, the look ahead line at some spots is, is minus one. That certainly could change over the time. And then week 11 at home against Chicago. Outside of that, they're going to be an underdog in every single game. Uh, and I think the biggest thing for me when you look at Atlanta and if you're looking to fade them is the quarterback situation. I think ultimately Marcus Mariota obviously is a a placeholder. They draft Desmond Ritter in the third round. And at some point, Joe, I think they're going to have to figure out because they're going to be this bad. And the upcoming quarterback class is expected to be very solid with the Bryce Youngs, the CJ Strouds, uh, even more names out there. Uh, You know, Jaron Hall at BYU. It's going to be a pretty solid uh, quarterback class. So they need to figure out what they have in Desmond Ritter. So I think at some point they'll turn it over to Ritter. Uh, my colleague and co-host Sean King, who spent you know six years in uh, in the NFL, just doesn't think Desmond Ritter's ready yet to be a starter in the NFL. So I think they're going to struggle quite mightily. Uh, you know, exciting young pieces. I'll say the one positive, if you're looking maybe a long shot offensive rookie of the year with with no real quarterbacks out there. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett is he going to start? Uh, we've talked about Desmond Ritter. Matt Corral is going to be buried down the depth chart. I think Tyler Algier, the rookie out of BYU, fifth-round pick, I really like him. And I think when you're a bad football team, why not let your youngsters get going? So, I mean, that would be the bright spot for me. I know they drafted Drake London 
you know, with the eighth overall pick. Um, Carolina, we can get to them in a little bit. You know, the team that intrigues me the most, Joe, and probably would be the one that I'm most willing to place a couple bets on would be the New Orleans Saints. I think there's this expectation that, okay, Sean Payton's gone. They're going to have a massive drop-off. But you mentioned it with Dennis Allen. He's back. And he, you know, there's continuity there. I like the fact that Pete Carmichael gets promoted from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. And, you know, you look at that division, I think New Orleans is certainly better than Carolina and Atlanta. Now, you can't assume they'll win all four of those games, but I think it's it's a fair uh, you know discussion to have. You look at their crossover games, you know, the NFC South this year gets the NFC West and the AFC North, and then the Saints are at Philadelphia. You and I both high on Philadelphia Week 17. They get Minnesota in London, so they actually don't have a road game there. And then they get the Las Vegas Raiders, who you can argue is the weakest team, even though they're strong, the weakest team in the AFC West in that 17th game. So I really like this Saints team. I think Jameis Winston is primed for a solid season. And look at the weapons he's throwing to, right? You mentioned Chris Olave, who they drafted. They traded up to get him with the 11th overall pick uh, in this past year's draft. Michael Thomas expected to be back coming off the ankle injury. And then they went out and drafted Jarvis Landry. Oh, by the way, Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway are all still there. Uh, question marks about Alvin Kamara, but uh, the Saints to me are very intriguing. Maybe not necessarily to win this division, but at eight and a half wins, I think this is an above 500 football team and certainly worth a look at a win total over. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense. It's, to me, it's easy to sell myself on teams in the NFC that I like to hit their over total because most of the NFC is so pedestrian mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of teams you look at and say, that's a loss. You know, first year, that's just chalk that one up to an L. I, Outside of the Bucks and Rams, it's a really, you know, and muddied the, waters. And the Saints in historically the have played Tampa Bay pretty well. Very much so. So, you know, you look at the year that Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. Now, Drew Brees was the quarterback, obviously, that year, but you know, you can argue that Drew Brees was certainly on his, his last legs there. They swept him in the regular season. Now ultimately lost him in the postseason. But when we're talking about win totals, if New Orleans gets one win over Tampa. Man, that is that is a nice you know movement in the right direction towards a win total over eight and a half. Baker Mayfield probably storyline number one yep. in the NFC South. Number two might be, or certainly in the top five, is what is Michael Thomas going to look like in his return? Sort of become an enigma in, in New Orleans. I have no idea. He didn't play a single snap in 2021. And now he returns. And if you can have a guy like Marquez Callaway, who probably got valuable experience, not probably, did get valuable experience being the number one. He's not a number one, mm-hmm. but he had that pressure last year. Now, all of a sudden, they've got a first-round pick in Alave, and you hope, to some degree, maybe if it's not 100% peak Michael Thomas, something in the ballpark, all of a sudden, the pressure's taken so immensely off you. So I like the Saints there. I don't think there's any value. I misspoke earlier when I was talking about odds to win the NFC South, I misspoke and said Bucks were plus 300. They're minus 300. I don't think there's enough there. There's just there's too much juice for me to lay unless you're going to put it in like a division winner's parlay. Um, I want to talk about the Panthers because mm-hmm. I do think there's value with them at over six and a half. And I am admittedly, and I've said this so many times in the show, a Baker apologist. And I've <laughs> loved him ever since he came out of Oklahoma. But you don't have to like Baker all that much to sell yourself on seven wins. And I think if you look at Carolina, Carolina's sort of a poor man's Cleveland, where there's lots of talent on both sides. 
you just wonder how much you're going to get out of the quarterback position. Cleveland was a playoff team when Baker was healthy. You don't have to be a playoff team to get seven wins. Very average. But they have enough defensively. They're going to miss Hassan Reddick, certainly. But J.C. Horn comes back, you hope, and, and looks as good as he did at the onset of his rookie season in 2021. Brian Burns, an up-and-coming, one of the best pass rushes all in football. You still got Jeremy Chin there. Offensively, between Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, um, and DJ Moore, there's a lot there to like. Not, not love. Yeah. You don't have to love them to get to seven. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite futures in this division. Lost seven games last year by one score or less. Uh, you know the heat is on Matt Rule, so this is a completely different situation than Atlanta. Atlanta is recognizing year two of, you know, the uh, the the new era there under Arthur Smith. Carolina and Matt Rule. Now, what's working for Matt Rule in this regard is that David Tepper went out and hired Matt Rule. So the owner did hire him and handpicked him to come from Baylor. So maybe the pressure isn't as strong, but look, if he has a bad year again, he's gone. So you know that. You know the desperation with, you look at how they- Could even be a mid-season thing if things go south. It's off, certainly possible. And you look at that schedule, they open up against Cleveland. You know, how perfect is that? That line has dropped down to one uh, in favor of Cleveland. They, you know, they their offensive line was absolutely horrible last year. And, you know, thank the heavens, at least everyone down in, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina, that with the sixth overall pick, it was so expected that the Carolina Panthers are just going to panic. They're going to take Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, one of these quarterbacks there at six, and they did the right thing. They stuck with their guns. They stayed. They got Ikea Kwanu. Now they traded back into the third round and got Matt Corral. We'll see if that's the right decision long-term. But, you know, they went out and they got, you know, Bradley Bozeman from the Ravens. They signed Austin Corbett. From the, uh, from the Rams. So they tried to bolster up that offensive line. To your point, I agree. You know, DJ Moore is a stud. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall, can he take the next step forward, you know, after a, you know, so-so rookie year? Pedestrian. I think it was underwhelming. But you look at... Sort of a preseason hype machine guy that fell short. It, it's kind of like, in a, you know, you think about Jimmy Garoppolo and how people have talked about him lately. I think as crazy as it sounds, the fact that he was a number one pick at once upon a time, I mean, Baker Mayfield at this point is underrated, in my opinion. You know, two years ago when he was fully healthy, he was a good quarterback. Not yep. great, good quarterback. Maybe top half of the league type of quarterback. You know, maybe. Um, last year was a disaster, but he was hurt. So I think there's that, you know, chip on his shoulder. You know, he had to give back money to get out of Cleveland. So there's all that's working. The biggest thing for me is if we're talking about over seven wins, I think there's a lot of things working in that way. I think Atlanta being as bad as they are helps too. Can Christian McCaffrey play 14 games? I mean, Joe, he's played 10 total games the last two seasons. Prior to that, the first three years, he played 16 games all three years, and, and he was tremendous. When healthy, he is a phenomenal talent. Now, they've got some interesting pieces. Chubba Hubbard from uh, Oklahoma State a couple of years ago, they drafted. Uh, they went out and got Deontay Foreman uh, to help bolster that running back room. But if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy enough, then yeah, I think I, I could be talked into you know, them going over their win total with cleaning up some of the issues. And as we all know, as sports bettors, you know, luck tends to come back to the middle, whether it's bad luck or good luck. And when you go one in seven in one score games, that there tends to be some regression there, which should, in theory would lead to a, a win or two more for the Carolina Panthers. And again, you don't have to love Baker Mayfield that much to acknowledge it could be worth two wins compared to Sam Donald. Sure. Who was chiefly and primarily the quarterback 
of that five and 12 team that went one and seven in one score game. So I like the Panthers over six and a half wins. Uh, that is every book I've seen and certainly win bet. It's juiced to the under. So you can get that at plus money. If you believe seven wins is in the cards for the Carolina Panthers. Um, and then Tim's favorite pick saints over eight and a half wins in the NFC South. Do you have any tickets placed for like just Super Bowl teams or NFC winner around the entire conference, not just NFC South? I don't have a conference winner. I do have, like you, and it's making me nervous, not because you played them, but so many other people. I am on the Eagles. Uh, I got them at plus 275 a couple months ago. I know that number's long gone, so it's always fun when a guy on a gambling show mentions a number that doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, but I am on the Eagles. I think they've got a ton of talent. I think Washington's improved, and I think... You know, when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion, Joe, and I'm curious what your thoughts were when you previewed the NFC East, I think there's regression coming for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they have some elite, talented players. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but they've, they're dealing with injuries. Amari Cooper's gone in free agency. Uh, Cedric Wilson uh, is gone in free agency. Michael Gallup's coming off a torn ACL. When is he going to be ready to play? So I have some real concerns and questions. You know, Tyron Smith is... Uh, you know, you got Tyler Smith there, the the developmental guard that they drafted in the first round that a lot of people raised eyebrows over there. So I think there could be regression there. I think Washington should be improved. You know, even though I'm not a Carson Wentz guy, he certainly is an improvement over Taylor Heineke. But I think what the Eagles are trying to do is similar to me. And you would, you know, attest to this. And I'm curious if you use this as a comparison. They're trying to do what the Seahawks did, which is we have a rookie, a quarterback on his rookie deal. Let's build as much as we can around him. Let's go get the A.J. Browns. Let's get the Hassan Reddicks. Let's go get the James Bradberries. And they've got talent. It all comes down to Jalen Hurts and can he put it all together. You know, they had to do some serious tweaking to that offense late in the season to allow him to run a little bit more. But, man, are there weapons there in Philadelphia, arguably the best offensive line in football in front of Jalen Hurts. So I think, you know, that's a team that maybe – could be looking at as a long shot to, to come out of the NFC, but certainly I, I like them to win the NFC East. I agree with you, and I have the same tickets, um, and I have the same view of the Cowboys. I think not only is regression coming, but I, I think they're a worse roster this year. I agree. It's crazy to think that in the same offseason, Amari Cooper was traded for a fifth-round pick, and Christian Kirk was given $18 million a year. I mean, I, I get Amari Cooper has been hurt, but he's still sub-30 and is a, what, four-time Pro Bowler. Blows my mind, but hey, Jacksonville going to Jacksonville, especially when Trent Baalke is at the helm. I agree with you, especially you got to remember they lose Amari Cooper um, and Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup's coming off an ACL right. injury. So you just don't know what you're going to get there. The A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith combo is just uh, just yeah. beautiful. And the final if, thought if I have, really click. And the final thought I have on on the Cowboys is, you know, there's, there's a real chance. Now they get both these games at home. There's a real chance they start 0-2. When you host Tampa Bay, Sunday night football to start the season. Second straight year opening with Tampa. Follow that up with Cincinnati in week two, where I believe in the look-ahead lines, there may be a slight, slight favorite. You start 0-2, we're talking about, is Mike McCarthy on the hot seat? You know, what is Kellen Moore? Who is Kellen Moore? You know, we, we on our show, had uh, Newey Scruggs on from, uh, from NBC Dallas, and he was very critical of Kellen Moore. He's like, we need to see more from Kellen Moore. He felt like Kellen Moore... Uh, underutilized Amari Cooper, and maybe that was a reason why he's out the door. So I think there's a lot of questions there. That offensive line, as I mentioned, is is kind of long in the tooth. It, you know, is Tyron Smith, who's been in the league for forever, is he going to stay healthy at left tackle? You know, Zach Martin's an elite guard, but yeah, they, there's just tons of questions in Dallas, and for them to be the favorite, 
Now, it's shifted from odds on to around plus 125 or so, depending on where you look. But yeah, I, I think you could very much look at, I would not be surprised, Philadelphia, and hopeful that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington plays good enough to maybe be in the conversation for winning that division. Dallas is in trouble for as long as they have that albatross of a contract that is Zeke Elliott yeah. on its roster, on its books. Uh, let's talk college football because this is a big topic of conversation. I think we've we've spent so much time over the last month or two uh, on this show, but around the sports world talking about the Live Golf Tour. Mm -hmm. And I'll bring it back home here, but it, is, it has been something that has really disrupted the game of golf and it has made the future of the game very unclear. And in much the same college football conference realignment, that is the same thing that's happening in college sports. And of course, it's a big topic of conversation with UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten in 2024. We've got Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. This is far from over. It's a shuffling of the deck that seems like it won't end. The, to start this conversation, I want your overall thoughts. And, and ultimately, is this a good thing for the sport from a consumer's standpoint? Overall, um, you know, I would say I don't like it. Uh, I like those rivalries. And I know Mike Gundy, who has never won to mince words, uh, was very upfront about, you know, how greedy the sport has become, which is hilarious because he, you know, makes multiple millions of dollars. Yeah. But, uh, he, you know, he did have a point where, you know, Bedlam's gone. You know, these rivalries are going away. We'll still have the Ohio State Michigans. We'll still have the Iron Bowl. You know, we'll still have some. But, you know, over the years, we've lost some of these these really historical rivalries that that are great for the sport. I like the regionalization of of the sport. I, you know, I like that the Pac-12 is you know has a bit of a different style. The Big 12 has a different style than you know the Big 10. Um, but I I also understand it. I, I know why the sport is going this route. Um, you know, it, it, if you could bring in more money, you, you go out and get it. Uh, I don't know when it ends, uh, but ultimately, no, I am not a, a huge fan. But I'll say. For a consumer, you know, I heard, I think it was Andy Staples, so I'll give him credit for this, uh, this thought, and I thought that was, it was really well put. You know, we need to, as a consumer, college football is my favorite sport to bet, to watch. I've always loved college football, Joe. The biggest thing for me is we can't get to a spot or a point when it's just the Big Ten versus the SEC, and that's it. I think that would be very, very bad for this sport. If we could still figure out ways where the Big 12 is playing for something, if the ACC still exists in 10 years, they're still playing for something, you know, expansion of the playoff. Because I do think if you take a step back and think, okay, Oklahoma, Alabama on October 15th in Stillwater, that would be something we'd want to watch. USC at Michigan in November, that would be something we'd want to watch. You know, seeing Ohio State go to UCLA, I think those are games that will be intriguing to us uh, you know, you can make the jokes about Rutgers at UCLA or Northwestern at USC, all those things. But I think for the consumer, it can still work. The question that you had, and I think we all have, is when does it ultimately stop? How many of these conferences go by the wayside? Um, and right now it's on pause. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the, best, the big, you know, domino to fall, obviously, is Notre Dame. What do they decide to do? Do they try to hold on to independence? Do they join the Big Ten? Uh, you know, we will see. But, you know, overall, to answer your question, I don't love it. Uh, you know, I'm still going to watch the sport. I think there's ways that, you know, they, they can make this work. However, I think I get worried with the potential of two super conferences that just are those two entities. And, 
you know, the the navies of the world, the East Carolinas, the Georgia Southerns, you know, the Coastal Carolina, which was such a had such a great run. Did they just become completely irrelevant? And then, you know, it's it's kind of a shrug of the shoulders. Like, I don't think I don't think that is necessarily good for the sport. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You add marquee games on a seemingly weekend to weekend basis for sure at the expense of the perennially good, not great programs who all of a sudden have lost their biggest rivalries that keep their sort of average fan involved. A Washington, mm-hmm. my team, a West Virginia, you know, go through most of the big 12 that kind of lingers in the top 25, but also out that will play in a decent bowl game like your Oklahoma States. Yeah. That is a huge deal. And when you talk about the tradition and the pageantry of college sports and particularly college football, that's such a huge part of it. And I think we can talk about the regionalization of Major League Baseball is its biggest detriment. I think it's different for college football because they have the money and the steam and the power behind all of the big conferences already. So if you're if you know if you're losing the casual fan and the the mid major not the mid major but the the good not great teams at a greater degree than you're getting the national audience and making it more of the national week to week sport. I don't know if that's a good trade off. Even more do- even if more dollars and cents come in on those TV deals. So. Yeah, I don't know how the Pac-12 can still exist following this. You know, Oregon, it's been talked about that Phil Knight's been on the phone trying to get them somewhere. I think it's interesting, and this is my next question to you, is I can't believe that they are sort of left on an island here because to me, they're the more valuable program than UCLA. If we're talking comprehensive, talked about in sports. USC, okay, there's your LA market. You've got it. Unless USC and UCLA decide they're doing it together. But Oregon, the most valuable asset in the Pacific Northwest and one of I would say the second most valuable asset on the West Coast, they're now left kind of hands in the air. Where do we go next? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, the travel has maybe a little something to do with it, the rivalry that USC and UCLA have. Uh, The fact that UCLA thrives in so many non, or or I should say Olympic sports, um, it it maybe, you know, leads to it. But I, I agree. I think ultimately, I would imagine Oregon and Washington join, but you know, and you would know more than this than I, I know that state legislators are trying to, you know, ensure that if Oregon goes, Oregon State goes with them, Washington goes, Washington State goes with them. And look, I mean, no offense to Washington State, but they're on the border of Idaho. You know, they don't really bring much cachet to any big time conference. So if the Big Ten's going to take those two schools, I think they align academically. They align, you know, big market with Seattle and Portland. Um, but I think right now what the Big Ten is doing is just taking their time. This new deal's not up for 2024. And, you know, they're they're hoping that ultimately Notre Dame would come. And I think if Notre Dame comes, I would imagine Oregon and Washington not that far behind. And then who rounds it out? Is it Stanford? Do they try to poach someone from the ACC like in North Carolina, who's a huge brand? Maybe not necessarily brings you a, a big media market, even though the Raleigh-Durham area is, you know, decent. Uh, but I think the brand of North Carolina would make a lot of sense. But yeah, right now it, it's fascinating to see. I know, you know, Oregon and Washington fans are kind of just throwing their hands up like, wait, what's going on? And to your point about Oregon is, you know, historically their sustained success has been much more, much more there than a UCLA. But, you know, it, it's like how Rutgers somehow got roped into the Big Ten. I mean, there are a couple schools that are just sitting back and thanking their lucky stars that they were, you know, in the early parts of this expansion because there's no way some of these schools would be involved now. Now they're kind of grandfathered in and are like, whew, we're good. We could stay here, you know? The Big Ten, the greatest 30, 
30 team conference, 30 school conference in, in the history of college sports. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I mean, look, I, I think you, like I said, there, there can you be. You can't keep the big 10, right? You can't yeah. keep the name. Uh, I mean, nothing makes sense. Because tradition doesn't matter anymore. So you can't tell me that matters. I mean, the big 12 has had 10 for oh, a long time. Now weird. they're going back to 12. The pac 12 is going back to the pac 10. I mean, new numbers make, uh, numbers make no sense. Um, you know, the SEC will be interesting to see what they do if they want to go and try to poach from the ACC. So, yeah, it, it is uh, it's fascinating to see. But, you know, those two schools have, or those two conferences, Joe, have separated themselves so far and beyond with the money that they're going to get from these television deals that they wonder, you know, are we going to see at some point a Rutgers, a Northwestern, a Maryland, those types start to get much, much better at college football because of the influx of money that they'll get compared to what is on the table at this moment in time in the ACC, where it's like $36 million per, per school per year, when the Big Ten is looking at north of $100 million per school per year. Yeah. Uh, any futures? You have in your hand any tickets you've already placed? So yeah, if you want to look at you know the the, the two the two big boys, uh, Alabama is just unbelievable, and I know Win right now has them at two to one to win it. That's a thirty three percent implied probability. Um, look, I love some good implied probability. I, I'm not racing X plus Y Joe to uh, implied probability. <laughs> I'm not racing to, to get two to one, but that two to one might be gone. I mean, this Alabama team, I'm telling you right now, folks, is is borderline historically good. I mean, their defense is spectacular. Will Anderson, I think, pound for pound, is probably the best player in the country. Their linebacker, uh, you know, they've got Malachi Moore, Jordan Poole. They got Eli Ricks uh, from the transfer portal. What they did in the transfer portal, Alabama, was just ridiculous. They get in Jermaine Burton from Georgia. They go out to get the speedster, Tyler Harrell from Louisville. They get Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt to plug in at left tackle. Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech who is just an absolute superstar. And then Eli Ricks comes over from LSU. Oh, by the way, they have the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. So, you know, I, I don't know what to do with Alabama. Um, you know, their win total's 10 and a half. I'd be hard-pressed to see two losses on that schedule, but you got to lay like a 250 uh, on that. Ohio State, I think, is in a similar realm. Not as strong defensively, but offensively. I mean, you're looking at a Travion Henderson in that backfield, a C.J. Stroud, who's your favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I think could be a dark horse to win the Heisman Trophy. The reason I say that is, you know, look two years ago, Devontae Smith proved that wide receiver can win it. Jackson Smith and Jigba could win the Heisman Trophy this year. So if you find a 25, 30 to one, maybe, you know, a long shot there. Um, yeah, so, you know, a couple off the radar ones. Georgia Tech's just absolutely terrible. Uh, play under three and a half wins for Georgia Tech. And then uh, one that I played the other day was Maryland over. Really challenging schedule, but if they can get past their non-conference uh, they've got a really, really skill, great skill set offensively uh, with Mike Loxley. Their win total is at five and a half at win. You know, if you look at their non-conference of Buffalo, of Charlotte, and of SMU, which could be a little tricky, they go three and zero. Oh. I think they have some real toss-up games: Rutgers, Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State. Uh, I think there's a, a path there to to six and six, which is what they were last year. So I think there's a possibility. I played over five and a half for Maryland, so a couple off the radar. But as for the big boys, look. If you can find a prop, and I know Wynn has Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State versus the field. Uh, if you got an Alabama, Ohio State versus the field, or you know maybe pair those two together in the futures market, uh, I would be pretty surprised, even though Georgia's really talented, if Ohio State 
or Alabama wasn't the national championship when it's all said and done. I love having you on the show and I love going on your show. I love listening to your show because you and Sean do such a good job. I, I fashioned myself, fancy myself a sports guy. And then I listened to the Rolodex of names that you were able to rattle off the tip of your tongue like it's nothing. And I realized, man, I'm a poser in here. Well, you got Tim <laughs> Murray who knows everything and everyone about everyone and everything. Um, let's get to a promo real quick before uh, we share some winning picks and get on out of here. Uh, WinBets Bet 50 Win $200 promo is still rolling on. New WinBet users can receive $200 in free bets after they make their first qualifying deposit and place their first bet on WinBet. Once that bet is settled, you will receive four installments of $50 free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. Winning pick time. A start of the month, 0-2. Got a win on Monday. Look to make it two in a row here today. I'm going to stick with the same formula. Bet on two pitchers to pitch well against two offenses that are fairly pedestrian. Brewers, Giants, first five under three and a half. That's at minus 120. So you got to play a little bit of juice there, but I'm happy to do it. Carlos Rodon and Corbin Burns have been lights out lately. And if you look at the Brewers and Giants lineups, nothing to be afraid of. Uh, the Brewers rank 18th in WRC Plus against left-handed pitching since June 1st. The Giants ranked 21st against right-handed pitching since June 1st. I like both those guys to go under the three and a half year on Thursday to win my second straight winning pick. Tim, you're the guest of honor here, sir. I'll let you close out the show. If you have any anything uh, that you want to share for Thursday or even over the weekend that people can dive into. Yeah, that no, I I, I tend to agree. That's a, that's a hell of a matchup there. Those two pitchers, Corbin Burns and Rodon. Uh, I've actually seen some spots open six, go to six and a half with that total, but it's now juiced to the under. So, uh, yeah, I would look. Uh, I would look a little under in that. I'll just kind of reiterate, you know, not to be lame, and you know, make sure you tie up your money here for about five months. But a couple things that I that intrigue me. Uh, I mentioned Maryland and Georgia Tech. Maryland over Georgia Tech under. Uh, I want to throw one by you, Jameis Winston to be comeback player of the year. Now, if you find look around, you can find it around six to one. You know, the favorite is Derrick Henry. I don't understand that because he came back. Played a game last year after his injury. So I think Jameis Winston, as we alluded to, I do like over eight and a half wins from the New Orleans Saints. But I think if you want to get a little juicier, a little riskier, you know, you've got to tie your money up for a long time. You know, I think that's a, an interesting one to look. And I've gone back and forth. We're being here in Vegas. So many people, you know, here with the Summer League. I, I, I initially was like, I think I like Palo uh, to win rookie of the year. Odds are fluctuating. I'm starting to change my tune, go a little bit further down. I think Jaden Ivey has the chance to really rack up some big assists. And talking to different people who have watched Jaden Ivey extensively in college, they just felt like the Matt Painter system with those two bigs down low didn't let him fly. And that is his athleticism is so ridiculous. And then you add in Cade Cunningham, I think they play well together. So uh, Jaden Ivey to win rookie of the year is certainly something. I haven't placed it yet, but I'm looking at uh, I think he's going to have a, a really fun year. Uh, I think that Pistons team is going to be a, a, a one to watch uh, with all the the young talent that they have on that roster. And you mentioned there's no reason why he shouldn't fill up the stat sheet. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's his shooting struggles, but I think his athleticism, you know, that's going to be the knock on Paolo. He's not an amazing athlete. He's a monster of a man. He's like 6'10", 250. He's a big, big that's dude. What say about us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Chet's uh, certainly an intriguing prospect. I, I had to laugh. Uh, with with all of the overreactions in the in the betting market to Chet having a great game against Taco Fall in Salt Lake City, it's like sweet. This is what he's supposed to do. Uh, I, I think the, the summer league to me, Joe, raises more red flags than it does get me excited. 
It is made for these top prospects to excel. They're playing against guys who aren't going to be in this league for the most part. But I think Jaden Ivey, I just think that athleticism with his vision, uh, he's going to have some mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over a lot. His shooting needs to get better. But I think his ability to get to the hoop, uh, you know, and I think Dwayne Casey's just going to let him play up there in Detroit. They're going to have some, you know, fun runs. So I think Jaden Ivey could be an interesting one to look at uh, for, for rookie of the year. So once again, that's not even a football prop. That's a basketball prop. You get to hold your money in, uh, in someone else's hands for like a year. So, you know, I bring the, I bring the instant gratification here. On I, your, I on like your the Jameis pick. Anytime you can get a quarterback who is on the ballot for comeback player of the year, and you know, he's going to be starting. It's worthwhile. He was 14 over there. three. And I mentioned this, you know, Pete Carmichael staying, I think the, the familiar, it's not a new offense, right? Sean Payton leaves, which is a huge, huge loss, but Pete Carmichael gets promoted. He's now running in the show. You know, Dennis Allen, he's a defensive-minded guy. He's been in New Orleans forever, was a head coach with the Raiders. Didn't work out, but still has head coaching experience. So he's going to know how to be in charge. He's a defensive guy, so I think he keeps his hands off that offense. And, man, with those weapons around him and Jameis' ability, even in his last year in, in Tampa when he threw all those interceptions, Joe, I mean, he still threw for over 30 touchdowns. Yeah, I think he 5, threw for 5,000 yards. yards. So yeah. he's capable. And then you add in, like you talked about, you know, Michael Thomas, what is he going to be? That's the big question. But you bring in Chris Olave, who I think is going to be a guy that, you know, many believe would be an instant impact. Jarvis Landry comes in. You mentioned Marquez Callaway was a one last year. Now he's a three or a four. I think that's beneficial for him. So, yeah, I think Jameis Winston has the potential to uh, to really have a good season, lead them to potentially to the playoffs. And if so, I think you're looking at a really good ticket to hold around six to one. And if you're going to put that ticket in, take whatever money you put on that, cut it in half, and put that on Michael Thomas. That's possible, yeah. Because, and then you ride with both. And if the Saints do go over, you're looking at one or the other, mm -hmm. potentially having a good shot to win that award. He is Tim Murray. Again, check out the nightcap on Visa. And him and Sean King do such a good job. 10 to 1 Eastern, Monday through Friday. Nobody I enjoy talking sports with more than my guy, Tim Murray. At one Tim Murray is his Twitter handle. Man, it's been so fun. I, I'm jealous of Sean. You, it's fun to co-host the show with you, man. I might have to steal him from, or steal you from him. I need, to, I need to clip that and send it to Sean because yeah. Sean thinks, uh, you know, I'm... I'm you know, I'm just a pain in his side. So I need, a, I need to appreciate that. I need to appreciate that. Thank you, man. It's been a ton of fun. Absolutely. He is Tim Murray on Monday. Another big show. Rick Gemmon of the Rick Run Good podcast on the Blue Wire Network will be joining us uh, to recap the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews. That's all coming up on the other side of the weekend. We'll see you then right here on Bet to Win. Yeah.